Hey everybody, producer Ryan here. The audio on this episode is pretty muddy for the first three minutes, but then it clears right back up. So either skip ahead or just stick with it if it doesn't bother you that much and enjoy the show. of uh, London life in the 60s. Uh, there's a lot of groovy cast members in it, but let's talk about Sidney Poitier for just a minute. The majesty and grandeur, the scope and uh, epicness of Sidney Poitier's film career cannot be overestimated. Um, he didn't read well when he came to the United States, and a Jewish waiter at the restaurant where he was a dishwasher uh, offered to teach him to read and read the newspaper with him and helped him to learn read. So he overcame pretty much everything uh, to make it as an actor. So if you're feeling like Hollywood's treating you bad, it is. Um, that's the nature of this place. Hollywood's not a city. It's a town, it's a, an idea held simultaneously by a million assholes. And it was never different. Uh, in any case, he was an intrepid person. Uh, when he passed, Joe Biden said this about him. His unflinching grandeur and poise which I think really sums up Sidney Poitier, his singular warmth, depth, and stature on screen. He opened the hearts of millions and changed the way America saw itself. Um, I would also add that he's dead good looking and doesn't have a date during this movie. <laughs> he's in London in the 60s. He's the best looking guy there by a mile. He's also the best groomed guy by a mile, wearing boss suit and a skinny tie. And yet no one goes like, you know, should we? Um, so that's how you know it's a movie. Uh, because things like that uh, happen. In it. it also has a, a tremendous cast of hmm, English actors. Uh, Susie Kendall, who was a supermodel, plays one of the teachers. Uh, Lulu is making her screen debut in this movie. Lulu uh, was a teenage rock star in England. She's from Scotland. And um, I think she was, I don't know, 14, 15 when she had her first record. By the way, the record Two Sir With Love that you'll hear in the picture uh, was number one that year. And uh, I'm older than you and wiser. And um, my sister had the single of Two Sir With Love, so I listened to it all the time on what we used to play then, which was a phonograph that you had that had a speaker in a little box on it, and it had four speeds, because records came in 33, 45, 78, and then there was a speed called 16. <laughs> 78 is odd enough, because you had to play one of those old giant ass records that broke, if you could, and they were this big, and they played in two seconds, a 78. I have no idea what the 16 setting was for. Uh, and I played Jusir with Love over and over again. In those days, of course, we held records like this and threw them and stuff. There was no treating them gently or there was no blowing on them and, and putting juices on them as we did later in the 70s when we got high and had our own houses. Um, in the 60s, you picked up records with your hand and often sometimes records came on the back of cereal boxes and you cut them out and you had to cut them out very carefully because if you cut too far, you'd fuck up the Archie sugar sugar 
and it would skip the whole time you played it. Thank you. I'll be talking about stuff that happened in the 19th century for the rest of the night now. You know, when film was first invented, I remember going to the theater. I think we paid a nickel it was, and uh, just watching the Lumiere brothers, that train coming into the station, it was really something else. People were frightened. Uh, um, it wasn't that long ago, y'all. Uh, Sydney just left us, and my goodness, I saw them. I listened to the record a thousand zillion times. What makes it awesome is um, uh, I have a couple of Sydney Poitier brushes. One of the grooviest things about living uh, here in Hollywood is, um, uh, well, taco trucks on every corner. But the, the other grooviest thing is that you really do see stars everywhere. Uh, we've seen Leonardo eating. I'm sure you have too. Um, uh, and his head is, you know, smallish. Um, and then other stars you see and their heads are enormous and you feel like they're gonna fall over in front of you. Um, but I've seen Sidney Poitier a couple times here in Hollywood. My wife and I were at a supermarket, uh, a very fancy one in Beverly Hills. And uh, I'm often, uh, like tonight for instance, I was late because I forgot what time the show started. I'm a little distracted occasionally. We're, uh, I've uh, missed a few stars here and there over the years. Uh, we were uh, in a club one night and Jennifer's like, Gina Davis, and I'm like, what? And she's like, Gina Davis, and I'm like, what? And she's like, Gina Davis is standing next to you. And I'm like, I look the opposite way, where? Gina Davis is six feet tall, you guys. You, you honestly couldn't miss her if you threw a handful of BBs across the room. She is big, and um, I missed her. So, and I'm a big fan of Gina Davis. In any case, we're at the supermarket. And uh, I've got the basket, right? And I'm wielding it with some adroitness down the aisles. And now we're ready to make that final checkout. And we're, <coughs> excuse me, reaching the stand. And I see Sidney Poitier in line. Pardon me. <coughs> I see Sidney Poitier in line wearing kind of a members-only affair. As I recall, it was red, but I might be wrong. It might have been gray. And... Uh, looking fabulous, right? This is some years ago. But mind you, I don't think his age was ever correct. I think whatever age they gave when he passed away, he fudged it. I think he was like 125. Because he looked fabulous from the age of 20 to the age of 90. Uh, and so there he was standing there. And he only had a few items, right? And they were giving him a plastic carrier bag. That's how long ago it was. And because um, in those days, seven, eight years ago, we didn't know that plastic destroyed the earth. We thought it was one of the building blocks of humanity. Now, of course, we know that you must carry a paper bag so that the bottom breaks out and there's disappointment all around. So there he was with his few items. And I don't remember what they were. I wish I do. I wish my memory was more specific. I wish I could say it was two, you know, double uh, A batteries and a, a, and a box of, you know, ding dongs or whatever and, uh, and some pick a pepa sauce or something, but it, I, and a bottle of Perno, but I don't know what it was. Uh, and I said to my wife, I says, Jennifer, I says, I, um, Jennifer, come over here. And she's like, no. And I'm like, Jennifer, please come over here. And she goes, no, I don't want to. I want to go in this aisle. And I'm like, honestly, I, I've asked so little of you over the years other than your, your endless devotion and um, sit down, please, till the story's over. Um, I, I go, honestly, Jennifer, you really, you really must come to this aisle, uh, this checkout stand. And she's like, I, no, I don't want to come over. And finally, I'm like, look, just come over here and stand here, right? And look forward. And she goes, 
and there's Sidney Poitier, right? And the guy's checking him out, and Sidney Poitier's standing there, tall, gorgeous, indomitable. It was, he was using grandeur and poise unflinchingly as he was checking out his groceries. And Jennifer went, ah, like that. And Sidney Poitier did not turn, but he went, right? I still got it. A sound that I think he's heard women make his entire life, uh, which is why when he doesn't get a date in this movie, you're like, what? Shouldn't there be a sequel called Dating, Sir? Um, I th he was majestically beautiful. And then we went to see, uh, there was a, a night several years ago where they had an AFI event over at uh, the Arclight. Is it called the Arclight? You know the, the place where the popcorn costs $17 and it's a caramel thing and... And then a person comes up before the movie and goes, if anything happens during the movie, you're like, did I join something? I came to see a movie and I feel like I'm going to leave in like a, an organization and we're gonna have to you know, wear gowns and ask for money on the street. And anyway, uh, we went to see a thing there and they had Harrison Ford with a picture, I think it was Blade Runner. They had Cher. Uh, uh, Shirley MacLaine, all in one night. We saw Samuel Jackson. Shirley MacLaine, Shirley MacLaine rode by in a golf court, and Jennifer went, hi, and Shirley MacLaine awesomely went, ah, like that. And that's how great it was. So we went to see Heat of the Night uh, with Sidney Poitier. So he shows up in a suit and tie, right? And he's got a sheaf of paper, because clearly there's something prepared that he's gonna talk about making of The Heat of the Night, which is an extraordinary motion picture, and you really ought to see it. Uh, and they made it in Sparta, Illinois, but it's supposed to take place in, I think, Sparta, Mississippi, or whatever. Um, and it's a, a brilliant uh, picture about race relations, of course, and racism, as this is, too, to Sir With Love. He had a sheaf of paper, and he gets up, and he puts his glasses on, and he starts to read, and then he takes the paper and just goes, ugh, and throws it all on the floor, and goes, I don't know. I'm just going to talk about it. Mind you, he started the AFI. He's one of the co-founders of the American Film Institute. And then he goes, I'm not going to stay to watch the movie tonight because my wife has put on a roast. <laughs> just fucking awesome. Awesome beyond measure. So we met a couple people who are in this movie. Met Lulu over the years. And she's quite wee. As they say in Scotland, she's just a wee tooty thing. And super ginge. And uh, then Christian, uh, what am, I just blanked on his last name, Richards? Roberts. Christian Roberts, uh, who plays Denim in the movie. Uh, Christian Roberts is a sullen punk in the movie, and he smokes a lot, which is awesome. Uh, I remember seeing it when I was little, and I was like, when you get to high school, do you get to smoke that much? Because we had to hide when I was in high school behind the portables to smoke. We would hide in the morning and drink Cokes and smoke, and call, we called it Cokes and Smokes. And, um, and we'd get high and listen to Led Zeppelin and shit. This was those days. On, you know, I know you're all staring at me. It was a steam-powered phonograph. And what you did is you poured water in the top and there was a little crank in it. And then a dinosaur was the, was the stylus, like that, like in the Flintstones. And it would go, it's a living. Um, in, so Christian in this movie uh, is the sullen punk. And he's a little older than high school age in the tradition of all great high school movies. Sidney Poitier himself, when he's in Blackboard Jungle, when they called him to do the movie, he was 27 years old. Of course, he looks awesome in it. Uh, Christian is probably about the same age. Uh, you know, it's like 90210, the original version, when Luke Perry was like, what, 
Luke Perry was way older than everyone. Like he was not high school age, clearly. And he'd go like, oh, I'm late for homeroom. And you're like, yeah, you're like 20 years late for homeroom. You're gonna need a huge note. Um, so uh, Christian plays the punk in the movie and he wears a leather jacket and he's sullen. And uh, it's fantastic. So we were in Barbados years ago because I took a gig in Barbados. Um, it was a awards banquet for different resorts. Are you following this? What they offered was no money. Now, I know what you're saying. You're not my agent, but if you were my agent, if I told you I was going to take a gig for no money and a free flight to Barbados, you'd be like, you might want to look into that. So I took the gig because you got a few days in Barbados and a flight to Barbados, and, which by the way, is several flights to Barbados. There's no, strangely, no direct Hollywood to Barbados flight. And, uh, and Barbados is an island full of um, British people doing cocaine and uh, molesting the people who live there. Um, it's, it's really wild. It's, 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 you, you wouldn't believe it. The, the bad, bad behavior doesn't begin. It was, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Caligula with Malcolm McDowell, but Barbados is like an outtake from that movie. You know, there's bodies rolling around and whips and whatnot, and Peter O'Toole turns to you and you're like, what? Um, yeah, and he's smoking weed out of like an owl's head. It's just, it's really weird, but beautiful. Uh, and so I took the gig so we could go to Barbados. And we stayed at this beautiful hotel. And it was like a, you know, a plantation-y type thing, right? Because colonialism is awesome. And uh, uh, Christian comes to lunch. He's mates with the people who run the place, right? Christian Roberts and his wife, who's absolutely lovely, come to lunch and uh, it was a drinky affair. By the way, this was Sunday lunch, and these are British people. And the island was 150 degrees, right? It was warm in Barbados, balmy. Let's just call it that, it was sultry. It was like a Tennessee Williams novel or, or play. It was warm, right? Like Paul Newman was drunk, and you know, we were just, oh, oh. But because these are British people and it's Sunday lunch, um, roast beef, mashed uh, roast potatoes, Yorkshire pudding, right? The whole English thing. And uh, um, more rum than any human has ever consumed. More rum than is consumed in all of Herobolifonti's discography. <laughs> a lot of rum. Uh, so, and everybody's smoking uh, cigarettes and drinking rum. And now we're, uh, as the British would say, rat arsed. And I'm trying to hold it together, right? And, you know, converse and be witty and whatnot. It's hot and we're drunk. And Christian, out of nowhere, goes, we few, we precious few, this scepter and just goes into Henry IV for like about five minutes. And everybody sits there in, like in breathless wonder because we didn't see that one coming. Because I was like, I remember you as the punk in To Sir With Love, and now you're cracking off Shakespeare. And then he had a bar down the beach that we went to. Uh, and it was awesome. So at this banquet uh, on the night, uh, there was a band, a Bayesian uh, band, a Barbadian band, and they had learned two songs, sort of. Um, one was YMCA, and the other was Don't Cry For Me, Argentina, which they played. I'm reminded of a line from, a, 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 I think it's the first Michael Caine movie, The Ipcris File, where he goes to meet one of his spy masters at a bandstand, and the band's hammering through a song. And when he gets up to go, Michael Caine turns to the band and looks at his, his spy master and goes, let me know who wins. So, yeah, that's humor. Uh, 
they played the songs, but I wouldn't say all the notes were observed, and the key was certainly um, to be determined. So they would hammer through YMCA, and don't cry for me, Argentina. My wife was, at, we were at the table with our hotel people, and uh, uh, there was a Brazilian pair that was stuck at the table with us. And our table consisted of the manager of the hotel, a couple of the denizens of the hotel, who I'm almost certain were international criminals, because one of them told me that he knew what it was like to be in jail in Marbella. So at that point, when someone tells you they're familiar with the inside of a Nick in Marbella, you're like, you, you know, you're a colorful character. It was like a Graham Greene novel, but, without, with, but with danger. So, uh, and, and, a, and a hooray dude, uh, you know, one of these English guys who could live through anything, why, why the British conquered the world, because he could, uh, you know, uh, swim, jump, ride, rope, Live, you know, go in the Caribbean, eat poison, you know, shoot a bird, whatever. His girlfriend had become wildly ill back in England, and he came to Barbados anyway. That was his story. So he was there, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, there was a bottle of rum for like every other person. So there was a lot of drink. And uh, by the way, the guy paid me my expenses in cash. I had to hard-ass him. I had to actually go up to the guy and go, I need my money for my plane ticket. And he took out a wad of 100-pound notes. Like a pimp. He took out a wad of 100-pound notes, which are bright red, and went like this, well, how much is it, mate? And I'm like, dude, this is... Because um, I felt like my next question should be, I also need a couple of people um, to take back with me. So in any case, it was, it was unsavory, but fun. Davy Jones was there from the Monkees. Uh, and uh, so at the table, these two Brazilian women, one's a daughter and one's the mother, and they ran a surgical spa in Brazil. What's a surgical spa, Greg? Fuck, I don't know. But it was there was a map, there, there was a, bram a, pam a bramflet. There was a bramflet uh, of where their spa was, and it was located way toward Uruguay or whatever, like on the Rio Platte or something. And mind you, this was an awards banquet for spas. But their spa was one you went to and had your head removed and then replaced with a better, younger head. And then you just stayed there near the Rio Platte for a couple of weeks until everything blew over. And then you went back to commit more crime. So they were very nice. And uh, at one point, the mother, who didn't speak much English, and our Portuguese wasn't what it might be, um, uh, declared that she had lost her camera. Now... Uh, a search was mounted, including the hooray, which is what we call English dudes who are the kind I described to you. Uh, people are literally looking under the table, lifting their chairs up, going everywhere, digging out the cushions and whatnot. And after 10, 15 minutes of drunken frenzy looking for this woman's camera, she goes, oh, <laughs> and pulls it out from under her and goes, I've been sitting on it all along. And one of them, I, I believe it was the hooray, goes, has she no feelings below her waist? <laughs> I feel that we might have strayed somewhat from the topic. <laughs> However, I felt it necessary to share that Barbadian adventure with you because Christian was there, and I have seen him recite Shakespeare dead drunk in the middle of the afternoon, which I feel pretty good about. Um, in any case, uh, one last event. We were at a, a, a TCM uh, party a couple of years ago, and uh, there was all sorts of stars there, whatnot. Tippi Hedren and Mitzi Gaynor and um, Max von Sydow, right? 
Max Vincito is what? Tishu Mafuni, Robert Mitchum, John Wynn, and John Paul Belmondo all mixed into one Nordic, you know, Viking sh- vessel. Uh, he was en- enormous and gorgeous and quite liberal, spoke a thousand languages. Just listening to Max Vincito talk was like, he said, I'm getting deaf now, and so I enjoy silent films more. <laughs> so at the party, uh, Tippy Hedren comes in, Mitzi Gaynor comes in with a, a retinue of gay guys, just awesome. Really, really fantastic. And, uh, you know, just flutters in, and was wearing like a gold, a lame jacket and whatnot. Lulu is there and gets up on stage and sings To Sir With Love. And Max Vincito, you could tell, wasn't particularly having the best time that he'd ever had at a party. His family was with him, and I think they had dragged him to it, and it was getting a little bit late. And Max Vancito was sitting there, as only Max Vancito can, um, to, to misquote um, uh, uh, about uh, Ted Hughes, the poet, uh, looking like a Christmas gift from Easter Island, right? <laughs> Lulu gets up to sing To Sir With Love, and that's it for Max Vancito. He just looks at her like this. I never, ever had so much fun at a movie party in my life watching Max Vincito scowl at Lulu. And now I give you the 1967 classics starring the majestic Sidney Poitier, Tussauds with Love. <laughs> 